listen to myself for the next few minutes and feel like I've been to church already. I don't know about y'all, but that was good. We are continuing a series that we started last week called Pray Like Jesus. If you haven't already opened your Bibles, I invite you to open to Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to jump off there again like we did last week. How many of you have been reading the devotionals this week that we've had there for the 28 days of prayer? Good. If you haven't yet done that, I encourage you to go to the church website, firstbradenton.com, and look under the resources tab. In the very top one, you'll see 28 days of prayer. I encourage you to just read along with everybody and pray along with everybody as we go through this series of messages about praying. And it's really, it's really encouraging to hear, uh, as I mentioned earlier, just different people coming and, t- and just, I don't know if it's randomly on purpose, God has that all figured out, but he's, uh, we're sharing with each other different things that God is doing in our lives, and I believe we should give God all the credit. And I believe praying is what is helping that happen in our lives because we're giving him the freedom to do that in our lives and to show up. And then we give him credit. How amazing is that? That's what this is all about. So last week we talked about childlike praying. And today we're going to zoom in on a couple of different verses in this passage from Matthew 6 and talk about offensive praying. Now let me make sure we all get that word correct. It's not offensive It's offensive. Can you say that with me? Offensive praying. It's not offensive praying. Uh, Speaking of offense, uh, a little sports note here for us. Those who are watching the Final Four this week, I know some of you, you've already been crying on my shoulder this morning, and I don't know that I'm crying with you, per se, but that was rough. If you're an Auburn fan, we're all going to pray for you today. That that was rough last night. Uh, So you have two... uh, Championships going on this weekend. I'm sure you've seen on the news that the uh, women's collegiate basketball tournament is happening in Tampa. So today the final is happening tonight, and you've got Notre Dame playing Baylor. I don't really care, to be honest with you, Uh, but good for them. I hope they have a good game. Uh, Tomorrow night, then you'll see Virginia playing Texas Tech for the men's championship. And here's the deal. Probably the team with the best offense is going to win. Why? Because they are going to score the most points. Hello? So we have a chance, and you may have never thought about this, but we have a chance to actually partner with our Heavenly Father to be on the offense in our lives. Not to just be reactive and just let life come to me, and I'll deal with it as it comes to me. No. We just sang songs that illustrated our need to lean in and ask him to help us stave off the enemy. So that's what this idea of offensive praying is about. And one of the keys to being a good offensive player is to make sure you're not a ball hog. There were some of those on TV, on some of those games last, not the whole game, but a little bit, some of them. And a good offensive teammate is not about themselves, right? Of course, thank you, Sonia. They're not about themselves. They're about, let's make sure everybody knows their place and I know mine and we're gonna work together on this. Listen to what uh, this phrase says, and this is from Larry Crabb in the Papa Prayer book that I mentioned last week. He says this, the key to experiencing God is to come to him with an empty heart. 
an empty heart. That's going to be key as we think through today's notes. If you're an, a, a basketball player and your coach has some thoughts about what, how we're going to set up the offense for the game, and you're like, no, 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 I don't think you're right. I think I, think I know how to, I, I'm just, yeah. we're, we're going to do this my way. That's going to be a problem during the game. And you've seen, if you've watched any of March Madness, raise your hand if you watch March Madness, anybody? Okay, good. Then y'all seen some of these coaches getting <clears throat> a little upset on the sideline with some of their players. It's like, you're not doing what I told you to do. Guess what? That player doesn't have an empty heart. And the coaches, I, I'm just telling you, I, I know how this needs to go. If you'll do what I tell you to do, we will have success. Follow the game plan here. The key to experiencing God in your prayer life is to come to him with an empty heart, not just show up and say, here's what I want. And if I don't get it, wow, ooh, I hope you don't say that. <laughs> but the key to experiencing God is to come to him with an open heart. So if you will, let's all stand together, and we're going to read verses 9 through 15 of Matthew 6. And I'm going to read, this is right where he starts uh, into the Lord's Prayer here in Matthew's recording of this. I'm going to read verses 9 through 11, and then I'm going to ask you to join me at verse 12 as we finish the reading. Verse 9, therefore, you should pray like this, our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. We talked about that last week. And I hope that this week, this past week, some of you even said it to me earlier, that you're talking to God a little differently this week because you're, you're thinking about your relationship with him and you want him to be honored as holy. Verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Let's all read now verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and do not bring us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their offenses, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you do not forgive others, your Father will not forgive your offenses. Thank you, you may be seated. We're gonna zero in on those verses that we just read together and talk about three things to help, that we need to make, three choices we need to make to successfully have offense in our prayer life. And here's the first one. Choose what controls your life. Choose what controls your life. If you look back at verses 12 and, well, really all four of those verses, there's choices being prayed about right there. Choices like, I, I wanna be able to forgive. I want to not be led into temptation. That's a choice, right? When temptation comes our way, we're drawn to it. We talked about that in one of the, we sing about that in one of the songs. We're drawn to these things naturally. And what's, going, what's a temptation for me is going to be different than what it is for Randy. It's going to be different. So my prayer life needs to be very strong that I am talking to God about what I am going to choose, what I desire to choose to control my life and what he desires to choose to control my life. That conversation is going on. And I can trust him. We talked about this last week. I can trust him because he's my heavenly father and I am his child. And he wants what's best for me. So two thoughts about what, 
sort of, uh, I can choose this or I can choose this. Here's the first one. We need to choose to let love uh, control our life, not fear. Love over fear. Look at these verses from Matthew 5, verses 44 to 48, which is the previous chapter, still in the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus is being recorded here, chapters 5 through 7 of Matthew. So toward the end of uh, chapter 5, starting with verse 44, he says this, but I tell you, what's the next word? Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Wow. Love your enemies and pray for them so that you may be children. That's a strong statement right there. Continue, for he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward will you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what are you doing out of the ordinary? Don't even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. It's like pursue loving people regardless. Pursue loving them the way I do. So if fear has any control of your life, your offensive life is going to be hampered. Why? Because your heart isn't empty. God doesn't have the room to get in there and fill it up with love because it's full of fear, right? So what are some examples of that? Maybe some of you are thinking about some of those fears in your own life. Uh, I'm not married, don't have any kids, so this is not a fear of mine, but it may be a fear of some of yours. When you, let's say, let's say your child, some of you may be in this space right now, but your child's about to leave the house for the first time and go off on their own. That can, wouldn't that potentially raise some fear in your, lo- in your heart, right? It could. So to pray offensively, you would pray more about the love God has for your child, more about the opportunities that God has for your child than about, I want to try to control this situation and get my way about it and hope that everything goes my way, right? Choose what controls your life. Love over fear. Second thought, choose what controls your life. Grace over hurt. Grace over hurt. How many of you have been hurt in your life? If your hand's not up, y'all ain't living. (laughs) You have been hurt either in, in multiple ways. We get hurt. And that's a challenge. Back to those verses from Matthew 5. It's a challenge to offer somebody grace when they've hurt me. They may not even know they've hurt me. So that's a whole different animal over here to, talk, to address. But if I allow that hurt to control my life, God doesn't have, the Holy Spirit doesn't really have a chance to work in me at all. Right? This is not, last week, we, it was sort of nice and fun. We're just talking about being a child of God. Isn't that wonderful and, and precious? Today, we're, we're getting a little deep here. If I allow the enemy, and this goes back to verse 13, do not bring temptation into, uh, do not bring us into temptation and deliver us from the evil one. So if I allow the evil one to keep me in this space where hurt or fear is controlling my life, God doesn't have a chance to, be, to help me be on offense, to help me be a good teammate. He doesn't have a chance for that. Look at this quote from Dr. Henry Cloud and uh, something I read by him recently. He says, having fears is normal. Being fearful 
is dysfunctional. That's good. Being fearful is dysfunctional. So if, if you've ever sort of taken on the mantle, man, our family is so dysfunctional. Wonder why? Is it possible, and I don't mean to make light of that, is it possible that hurt and fear is more in control than love or grace? So having fears is normal, but being fearful is dysfunctional. Now, let me take that and twist that uh, regarding this thought about hurt. Being hurt is normal. Staying hurt is dysfunctional. Staying there. Like you could remember, oh, I remember, and just go back almost like a, a trigger goes off in your head back way back somewhere. Guess what? The Holy Spirit does not have freedom to come in and truly, truly lead you and be in charge of your life. So if you want to be on offense, these are two choices that you have to make. That what controls your life? Is it fear? Is it hurt? Or is it love? Is it grace? If you think about someone, as I've been talking the last couple of minutes, you, more than likely you've thought about a hurt that has happened in your life. What if you were to pray this week? God, I'm sort of tired of being on the offense. I'm tired of reacting. I'm, I'm just tired. I'm tired. And grace just sounds so much more free. Keep the evil one away from me of what I want to do because I've been hurt. Help me offer grace. I want to be perfect like you are. I want to offer grace like you do. That's a choice, and that's how to pray offensively for yourself and your relationship with your Heavenly Father. So the first way of praying offensively is to choose what controls your life. Secondly, choose what enters your heart. Say that with me. Choose what enters your heart. I have a question for you. How many of you use the app Spotify? Any Spotifyers? Yeah, I didn't think there would be a lot. So good. We're going to educate some of us. And I'm, I'm a newbie. No offense, newbies, wherever you are. I'm, an, I'm a newbie at Spotify. If you don't know what Spotify, raise your hand if you're like, I don't have a clue what Spotify is. Okay, there, way more hands. Look at that. <laughs> the, uh, the John Gregory description of what Spotify is, it's an app that you download on your mobile device, and basically it's a radio, all right? You can pick the channel. This, this very generic language here. But you pick the channel that you want to listen to, so to speak. All right, here's the catch, at least John Gregory's experience with Spotify in the last couple of weeks, because I've just started uh, using it. Uh, unless you want to be a paying customer, which I don't, but unless you want to be a paying customer and use Spotify and you start listening to music, you really have no control, complete control over what's going to get played on your device. So, at least that's my experience. If you're more Spotify experience, you can come show me different stuff, Doug. But here, so here's the deal. I've, there's one, so far, all I've done, there's one album that I've selected to listen to in my shuffle. That's a, another term. You know, Google all of this. If you don't know what Google is, we've got a long conversation to have. <laughs> <clears throat> 
but when you, when you pull up your Spotify, you can just hit shuffle and it'll start playing. Well, it's only going to play what is in your library that you have selected. But if you haven't uh, been a paying customer, they're going to throw in other songs in there that you didn't want. And I, I was listening the other day, I'm like, what is that? Oh, that's what happens when you don't pay. That, yeah, that's what I learned. Guess what? If we're not careful, stuff enters our heart that we didn't want there. Happens all the time. Just think, what have you watched on any mobile device or TV or computer in the last 24 hours? And something came across the screen, you're like, wasn't hoping to see that, didn't need to hear that. You have a choice of what enters your heart and what stays there, yes? So if you want to be an offensive child of God, two thoughts here. Choose what enters your heart. Here's the first one. Peace over unforgiveness. He talked about that in verse 14 and 15 that we read. So let's look at those again. It says, for if you forgive others their offenses, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive others, your Father will not forgive your offenses. That's not easy. But if I want to truly be an offensive player and my heart is empty, I'm not going to allow unforgiveness to stay there. I think it's fair to say, I'll go back to that quote from Dr. Henry Cloud, that unforgiveness happens, right? It's a natural, natural reaction when someone hurts you, offends you, that you, you want to, and that's being nice. You, you know, you want to get your way. You want to be the victim. Peace over unforgiveness. Here's the other choice. Rest over selfishness. Rest over selfishness. Look at these verses from James 3, verses 13 through 18. He's asking a question about wisdom and how to pursue wisdom. And here's what he says, starting in verse 13. Who among you is wise and understanding? By his good conduct, he should show that his works are done in the gentleness that comes from wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't boast and deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Wow. Selfishness is demonic, according to that verse. Verse 16, for where there is envy and selfish ambition, there is disorder and every evil practice. So if that's in my heart, selfishness is in my heart, I can expect disorder. That's what it says. So the opposite, verse 17, but the wisdom from above that I get when I pray and I talk to my heavenly father, the wisdom from above is first pure, then peace, loving, gentle, compliant, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without pretense. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who cultivate peace. So how do I pray? God, please give me peace. I need heavenly wisdom. I don't want the enemy giving me thoughts of what to do. I want your wisdom. 
I want to be able to give grace. I want to experience peace, not the disorder of unforgiveness. And I want to have rest. Hebrew, if, if you want to read a, a good, challenging uh, devotional about rest, go to Hebrews 4. That's free notes. You can write that down. Hebrews 4. Rest comes when I really allow God to have all of me and all of my heart and go after what he wants, no matter if, if it's hard, if it's uncomfortable. And yes or no, is it hard to forgive people? Yeah, it is. But that's when you're doing it in your own strength. When you go back to those verses from James, your strength is not come, if, if the only strength you have is earthly, then yeah, good luck. Good luck. But if you pray and ask the Father to give you supernatural peace, that forgiveness is possible. So if you want to be an offensive player, you choose what controls your life, love and grace. You choose what enters your heart, peace and rest. You got to start being a paying customer, so to speak on Spotify. You can't just let it do whatever it's going to do. Third thought, choose what focuses your mind. Choose what focuses your mind. In other words, what are you going to think on? The first example of this is to choose hope over vengeance. Choose hope over vengeance. And I'm going to read just one verse from Psalm 43. I encourage you to write write down, actually, again, free notes here. This afternoon, maybe sometime this week, read the chapter before Psalm 43, Psalm 42 and 43. If this particular thought is a challenge for you, here's an example of how the psalmist addressed this to himself. He's like telling himself something, self-talk. How many of you do self-talk? Oh, see, y'all aren't raising your hands. You do self-talk, come on. (laughs) Thank you, John. That John, not this John, yes, you got me. Verse 5 of Psalm 43, he's talking to himself. He says, why, my soul, are you so dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? It's like your heart is all messed up. Your mind's all dysfunctional. It's all going all over the place. Why? And he corrects himself. Put your hope in God. Say those five words. Put your hope in God, for I will still praise him, my Savior and my God. You know why? Worship music is so helpful to you because it, whoop, that verse disappeared. (laughs) I was going to point to that verse. Because that verse tells you that your hope is not found in yourself. It is found in praising God. It's not found in taking vengeance on someone. It's not found there. And if your mind, like you wake up in the morning I can't wait to figure out what to do to that dog next door who keeps pooping in my yard. (laughs) It's not my story. I don't know whose story that is. It's not mine. It's just the one that came to me. (laughs) If if that's what your, that kind of stuff controls your mind, you are missing out. And the Heavenly Father's just waiting. It's like, please choose me. Please choose hope. Let me take care of the dog. 
Choose hope over vengeance. And this one may be the most important choice. Choose eternity over the past. Choose eternity over the past. Look at these two verses. First one is from Ecclesiastes 3. The writer says, He has made everything appropriate in its time. Read this next phrase with me. He has also put eternity in their hearts. You were created by God with eternity in mind, with eternity in your heart. And what happens when we get all caught up in this earthly stuff that James was talking about? I start thinking about the present and I can get stuck in the past and I'm not even thinking about eternity. When I'm not thinking about eternity, dysfunction happens, vengeance happens, selfishness happens. All that junk that the evil one wants you to stay stuck in happens. Eternity is in your heart. If you are here this morning and, and you're it's like, I, I never even knew that. I've never even heard of that before. Guess what? It's no surprise to God. He, he created you. He put that in your heart. And he's asking you, you want to start a relationship with me? That's how you can grow. That's how you can have all of this peace that John is talking about if you will just start a relationship with me. Eternity over the past. It doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter what anybody has done to you. It doesn't, none of that matters in the light of the cross. And if you are a believer and you're a child of God, you should live in that more than anything else. Amen? You should live with eternity in mind. Look at this verse from John 17. John 17, oh, there's another chapter to read. Wow, y'all got a lot of homework assignments I'm giving you. You hear that? John 17 is Jesus' long prayer for his disciples before he is arrested and, and crucified for us. And in verse 3 of John 17, he says this, This is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. If you want to make sure your mind is focused correctly, pursue knowing God more than anybody else. Pursue getting deeper in your relationship. Not it be surface. Don't... All right, this may step on your toes a little bit. Sorry. If you only come to church on Sunday morning and expect that to be enough for you to be a good offensive player, not going to work. It's just not going to work. You're going to have to spend time with God on a daily basis. You're going to need to spend time with other believers. Why? So that you can stick true to the eternity that he has set in your heart and not get stuck in the past. If you are stuck in the past, it's like... Okay, watch. If I'm stuck in the past, like my head's back here, right? I'm looking back here at what stuff, whatever it is. Sorry, that would, I, maybe I just spoke in tongues right there. I'm not sure what I just did. <laughs> just a joke. Calm down. Just a joke. But if you're, if you're looking back there, but you're trying to walk forward, it's like you're walking around with your head turned on backwards. 
What kind of offensive player can you be when your head is in the opposite direction? You can't, right? You want to know why your family may be all messed up? You're walking around with your head on backwards. <laughs> You're stuck in the past. And God's saying, look, I'm over here. I'm over here. I, I want a deep, peaceful, restful relationship with you, and I can give that to you if you will keep your mind focused on eternity. Not this earth. Keep your mind focused on eternity. Choose what controls your life. Choose what enters your heart. And choose what focuses your mind. That will keep you on the offense and with God and with your Father. Priscilla Shire, I've read, she'll, she'll call it out. Ladies in the room, y'all know that, Priscilla Shire. She, uh, I read a devotional from her this week about the armor of God, speaking about offense. Listen to what she says about the enemy. The enemy fails miserably when he meets a prepared child of God. Like an offensive-minded, prepared child of God. Being a child of God doesn't give you immunity from the assaults of the enemy, but it does give you access to the power of the Father, his power to defend you as well as reverse what's been done to you. So it's, it's like reverse what's been done to you. You no longer have to walk with your head on backwards. You can get your head right because the power of the Father is, your, is the access that you live in. The enemy does not have a chance against you. That's why it's so important to pray and focus in on those verses that we read from uh, Matthew 6, the beginning of the message. If, do not lead us into, into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I want to show you a tweet by a pastor named Tim Keller and then read some verses that go along with to support what he says here. He says this, Paul does not seem as merely, uh, does not see prayer as merely a way to get things from God, but a way to get more of God himself. Read that with me. Paul does not see prayer as merely a way to get things from God, but a way to get more of God himself. So I want to read you two verses that illustrate this from the book of Ephesians, and then I want to close by talking about one Bible character who illustrates everything that we've talked about this morning. Here's, what Paul, here's how Paul prayed for the Ephesian church in chapter 1, verse 18 and 19. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the, what's the next word? hope of his calling, what is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the mighty working of his saints, of his strength. If you just took that and personalized that, God, I pray that the eyes of my heart will be enlightened so that I may know what is the hope of your calling for me. That would be a strong offensive prayer. If you're lacking hope today, go read those two verses. Claim them for this week. 
Here's another example from Paul in two chapters later, chapter 3, verses 14 to 19. He says, For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. I pray, here's his prayer, that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his spirit and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in, what's the word? may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width, height and depth of God's love and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. He's making a choice there. Love is going to control my life, not fear, not hurt. Grace is going to swell up in my heart. That's how, you know, Look at those verses again this week and make it personal. God, I pray that you will grant me according to your riches, not earthly riches, according to the riches of heaven, to be strengthened with power. Somebody in this room today feels powerless. God is saying to you, I have all the power you need. I have it all. Lean in, I can give it to you. Empty your heart, let me in, let me in. You don't have to live life powerless. You don't have to live life hopeless, in fear and hurt. I believe one of the best examples from scripture about all of this is the guy in the Old Testament named Joseph. Here's another homework assignment. Go read Genesis 37 to 50. <laughs> That's his whole, his whole story. Genesis 37 to 50. And when you get to chapter 50, he makes an incredible statement to his brothers. If you know the story, his brothers hurt him. He could have easily sought out vengeance against them. He could have easily taken out his hurt against Potiphar and his wife. All these things that Joseph faced. But at the end of chapter 50, after his father has passed away and his brothers are scared that he's going to use his power against them, he says this, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. And he wasn't even talking about himself. He said God meant it for good for all the people that had been rescued from the famine. He recognized eternity was more important than the past. Like brothers, I know that was ugly back there. I know it was. And you meant it for evil, but God was in charge. And I'm going to choose what controls my life I'm going to choose what enters my heart, and I'm going to choose what controls my mind. The evil one is not going to win. You have a choice today. You're going to empty your heart so that God could have all of you? That's what he offers. What's your response to your heavenly Father?
Would you bow your head and close your eyes, please?